0: Hello everyone and welcome to today's Inside Energy and Utilities podcast. In today's episode, I'll be talking about the uh, interesting stories that grabbed my uh, attention in in the last week. And the first story that I want to talk about is uh, regarding Centrica. It comes from uh, energyvoice.com and basically they report on Centrica to sell US energy retail on for 2.8 billion. So it basically goes to say that British Gas owner Centrica has said it will sell off its U.S. energy retail arm in a £2.8 billion deal. Direct Energy, which was bought by Centrica in 2000, will be sold to uh, NRG Energy, allowing the British company to focus on its home markets in the UK and Ireland. And um, yeah, so the interesting part for me here is I'm a former employee of uh, of British Gas slash uh, Centrica. and when was I there? In 2013, 14. Don't sort of quote me on that. Um, and at the time, it felt like quite um, a tough time for um, uh, Centrica. But actually, their share price at that point in time was, I believe, one of the, uh, you know, if not at record high, near record high. And really, it's been a tough old few years for, for Centrica sin, since then. Yeah, I think it's fair to say it's really been pushing hard to turn things around. Um, Uh, And it's sort of, you know, with a good news spin, it it sort of is is achieving that. It has halved its pre tax losses to 264 million, which comes from last year where their losses were 569 million. So uh, this sale will help uh, with with some of those figures. But for me, the sale is um, quite symbolic for. those, um, companies that, that are sort of heavily involved in, in, in sort of fossil fuels and then how everything is changing. So it's going to be interesting to see how Centric's going to bounce back. I think, um, a couple of other interesting things for Centric are slash British Gas. I think that they started to get their sort of strategies right, particularly, you know, when I looked at British Gas, but I think they've been very hit hard, very hard by, by Covid. Uh, 19 and, and, and the resulting slump in, in, in demand for, for energy and, and oil. So yes, very interesting to see what's going to happen with, um, with, uh, Centrica in, in the next few years. But again, this, this sale of, uh, um, uh, direct energy, um, to, uh, NRG energy for 2.8 billion is, uh, is, is very symbolic in, in my view. The second um, story that grabbed my interest was on Shell, and and, and this um, story comes from Energy Mix Report, and it basically talks about Shell, it's a very um, short news story, but it says Royal Dutch Shell expects the UK can end the sale of gasoline and diesel vehicles in just a decade, as the nation attempts to eliminate emissions by the middle of the century. Uh, The bank can be brought forward to 2030 2030 with the right policy and incentives," Um, Sinead Lynch, the head of oil giant Shell's operations in Britain, said on on LinkedIn. Very interesting, very interesting um, uh, piece there. Um, So, at the moment, I think the UK government is consulting on bringing the um, deadline forward from 2040 to 2035, so very interesting to see uh, this announcement by, by one of the senior people in, in, in Shell. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. I, I'm not sure if I fully agree, uh, though, even though I, I really want to. Um, but to bring this forward from you know 2035 to 2030 requires a lot. Um, last time I checked, there are about 300,000 electric vehicles on the road in the UK at this moment. Roughly, um, that is compared to 32.5 million combustion engines, uh, on the road in, in the UK at this point in time. Now, obviously that, you know, that's not to say that it can't be. And then also we're talking about the, uh, you know, banning the selling of, of new vehicles, but currently we sell around 2.1 new, uh, combustion engines every year. So the total cap, uh, is, is 300, uh, EVs the total sort of marketplace at the moment I, if we spread that out over the next decade That would mean that we would have to sort of accommodate 20 million uh, EVs by by 2030 It could possibly possible, you know, like it, it could but but it, it's a very big ask And and I think more so that these levels require uh, a lot of uh, a lot of big decisions, you know major infrastructure decisions uh, a lot of policy. St- Changes as well as ad- addressing some of the other big issues within sort of you know the next next nine years, not not in the least uh, you know standards interoperability various systems so yeah ten years is, is not a long time, and um, so you know even though I really want to to sort of back this i 'm not quite sure if, if I believe that it can be done in the next ten years, but it could definitely be done in the next fifteen years. The exciting part for me is to see that shell uh, is, is coming out with these these statements of a fossil fuel um sort of company with a lot of um you know petrol for if you like sort of making these statements that that's very um very bullish for, for the EV market and, and I think it also shows that, that a lot of um oil majors see see the writing on the wall and, and are actually in involved in, in, in the energy Transition. So, from that point of view, it, it, it's very exciting. Let's hope that I'm, I'm wrong, sceptical of me, and that we do have um, that we 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 are able to ban the sale of, uh, of combustion engines by 2030. That would be a very exciting future. So, moving on to the next story that uh, caught my eye. This one is um again from oilprice.com. I seem to reference them quite a lot. Um but a British regulator threatens the slash the profitability of utilities. And um essentially it looks at the draft determinations for um Rio two. Um and it states that previously, Ofgem allowed UK utilities to earn a 7 to 8% pre tax real return on their regulated asset, adjusted for the average rate of inflation in the period that works out normally at about 8.7 to 97 pre tax return. The article goes on to state this is a high level guaranteed earnings for a low risk monopoly business, even more so when we consider that the risk free rate of return. Understood here as the yield on ten-year UK government bonds was only 1.7 in the period covered. So, uh, a, a lot there to uh, to unpack. Uh, for, for me, what is quite um, interesting um, here is um, is when we talk about uh, talk about this. Um, The network operators are essentially a monopoly so so they um, have to submit uh, um, plans to Ofgem uh, to show what what, what they do what they will be doing in the next five years and and part of that is the um, uh, allowed rate of return that that they can um, uh, that they're allowed to make now this in in this um, in these draft determinations Ofgem's got back and and basically dropped that allowed rate to 3.9 5%, 5%, which is the lowest rate rate ever, and, and and the argument here is that Off um, Ofgem allowed network operators to earn a lot higher pre-tax uh, uh, return, and and this um, you know is, is guaranteed earnings for a very very low risk monopoly business. Uh, again, you know that it highlights particularly when compared against the risk-free yield on UK government bonds, which is uh, only 1.7%. Um, the network operators will argue that they will be asked to do a lot, not in the least transition to net zero and, and that they therefore need to be able to, to earn higher um, uh, you know, returns. So, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this will shape up. Um, I think Ofgem's final decision will not be until the end of this year and utilities can appeal This this decision. So it will be very interesting to see. It's very interesting to see that um, in this time where we're looking to transition to to net zero and we're asking a lot, that that Ofgem has dropped the the allowed rate of return to to as low as ever rate of 3.95%. So very interesting to see what Ofgem's final decision will be. Um, You know, will this shift? And also it will be very interesting to see if if network operators will appeal this decision in in light of the. Uh, what's being asked of them so yeah that for me that's a very interesting story and one that I'll be following closely over the next um next few uh, few years um yes, and then my final story is um, a, a a thought piece basically so this is a thought piece by the world nuclear news dot uh, org and um, it's um, a thought piece by energy and infrastructure lawyer Hugo Ledbetter. Um and um, basically states viewpoint: of nuclear option in UK's clean energy transition. And it starts out to state: as the UK government did this on how to approach its net zero emissions by 2050 target, Hugo Ledbetter, a partner in energy and natural resources. Uh, at law, Field Fisher considers the role of nuclear in achieving the country's low, uh, low carbon future. Um, it, it it's, it's a pretty, pretty hefty, um, well, p- pretty long piece if you want to sort of quickly, quickly read it. Actually, it's not that long looking at this, but uh, when I read it, it was quite a lot of detail uh, in there. It, it talks about the, the cost of nuclear, nuclear foundation, the future and, and how it fits into, um, Net zero. I, I thought it was a fairly uh, fairly good piece actually, um, and and I think it, it sort of lays out the case for nuclear quite quite clearly. Um, and 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 it seems that uh, you know whether you're what side you're, you're looking at nuclear, it seems that nuclear could provide a stable low carbon base low to reach net zero and complement. Um, uh, renewables. It, it, it's interesting, um, that, because, because it's, it's a very de- de, you know, divisive issue. But <coughs> for, for me, there is no question that it could provide a low carbon baseload to really, um, uh, to really look at that, no matter how you feel about it. And, then you know, there's questions about costs, uh, etc. cetera. There's also a lot of very interesting, uh, technologies going, uh, going on. There are a few key, uh, key points, um, uh, that, that, um, the thought piece makes, um, but also the impact on nuclear in, in that, um, net zero. And then there's a few things to consider. In, in, particular, how quickly will energy storage get a foothold in the market? What is the rollout of, um, blue and green hydrogen? And, and how quickly will carbon capture and storage be, be mainstream? And, and again, you know, it's a big part of, um, of transitioning to, to net zero. And then it's, it's a very interesting play, um, between some of these things. If, if the hydrogen economy doesn't, uh, get off the ground and we don't move to green hydrogen, you know, uh, soonish that, that sort of strengthens the case for nuclear. If, uh, the energy storage markets, um, large storage fails to take off, again, you know, that will have an implication on, on nuclear. And then carbon capture and storage, how, how does that fit in the picture? Um, the other thing that was interesting in this part is, is that, um, <laughs> it talks about the various sort of different sort of technologies. And and, and for me, the, the interesting part is, um, when we often think about nuclear, we think, um, uh, about, uh, you know, your traditional uh, reactors like, like Hinkley Point C, although that's probably one of the sort of more modern ones, but we think about that large sort of nuclear as a base, but you know, things that are quite exciting are, are small modular reactors. Um, they are um, smaller nuclear power plants. The, the size of a small football stadium cost somewhere in the region between 1.5 and then $2 billion, which is you know, fairly cost effective. And and, and they could power um, a city roughly the size of Leeds. And then our Rolls Royce are sort of looking into, into this, this heavily. And and I think, you know, we're still a while off from, from making Making this a reality, but some of those technologies have um, have an interesting part in into this future so yes it's a very interesting thought piece i I'd recommend you uh, you read it it 's not too too long to to read through but but it really builds the case for why nuclear should be considered as part of the net zero mix and, and I think i'm, I'm broadly in, in, in agreement with, with a lot of the points that, that are being raised in in this nuclear um, thought piece. And um, so those were sort of the, the four stories that I grabbed uh, grabbed my attention uh, this week. I'm very interested to, uh, to sort of get your thoughts. So please let me know what, what grabbed your attention, what, what did I miss? And um, yeah, get in touch uh, either via LinkedIn or, or Twitter at uh, Sepp Van Doort. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you for your time.